Welcome to So How Do You, the podcast that's your little black book for interiors. I'm your host, Laura Jackson, and I'll be speaking to two guests in every episode who will give you both design inspiration and practical know-how. Now, one of the most comprehensive and fiddly areas of interior design is curtains and blinds, and it can be an expensive mistake if you get it wrong. There is so much to think about. Materials, colours, patterns, upholstering, bespoke or shop bought, not to mention then the pelmets and pleating. But listen, it's good news this week because my guests are experts when it comes to choosing the curtain and blind options for your room. I'm going to be chatting to interior designer Michaela Sharp, who's going to help us make decisions from a stylistic point of view. Then we're going to be doing a deep dive into the process of curtain making with the founder of East London cloth company, Gemma Moulton. Before we get into the podcast this week, I wanted to tell you about my wonderful sponsor, Wix, who you're going to hear more about over the series. I feel like they are the perfect fit, offering ideas and advice when making improvements to your home, from helping to save energy, something I know we are all thinking about, to making small changes that make a big difference. Paint is an ideal place to start for a quick and easy transformation. Refreshing those tired, scuffed walls will reinvigorate your home while adding colour and bringing a new level of style. Or maybe if you're feeling a bit adventurous, then you could tile your fireplace for a really cost-effective way to transform a room and create a focal point. Now, if that's sounding like a bit too much, start small. Build up your skills. You can really achieve great results with small tweaks, such as changing things like door handles. You don't need to swap out the kitchen sink, but those bathroom taps might be in need of replacing. Follow along as we cover all this and more this series. For more information on how to get started, visit wix.co.uk. If you have ever wondered what the difference between a pencil pleat, a triple pleat, a pinch pleat is, or if you didn't even know there were variations of a pleat, then welcome to a Curtain and Blinds Masterclass with Michaela Sharp. We're going to be exploring the vast options you have when it comes to choosing blinds and curtains bespoke, the best places to go and buy them off the shelf, and what the interior designer rules are when it comes to hanging and fitting techniques. Now, I'm going to put a visual aid in the show notes just to kind of bring it all to life for you because this is something that I definitely needed when talking about the variations of pleats. Kayla, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? I am an interior designer and an upholsterer. Um, I do quite a lot of things. Multi-hyphen, I guess. I also do some broadcasts. So um, I'm on Changing Rooms and Kings of the Woods on Discovery. I have a magazine column in Reclaim. Um, But my bread and butter is upholstery and interior design. I am always looking at your Instagram for inspiration when it kind of comes to the like fabrics and textures, which is exactly why we were so keen to have you on our kind of blinds and curtain episode. How do you choose what a room needs in regards to blinds versus curtains or even shutters? I mean, for me, I as you kind of said, I love pattern. Um, so I would always go more down the fabric route rather than kind of plantation shutters or anything that's kind of wooden um I think window dressings are a great opportunity to add in texture and and pattern to the room especially if you've got plain walls then it's kind of just a little hint at something so I always veer more towards 
those options. I think if you're choosing between curtains and blinds, the most important thing is to kind of think about the the function. Um, do you need to really block out the light? Um, is it for privacy? Is it for noise cancellation? Are you trying to insulate thermally? Um, what times of the day do you will you need to draw them? You know, is it a blind that needs to come down because it's too sunny in the room sometimes in the day, but you don't want to block out too much light? Or is it a nighttime thing? You're going to, you know, you need them to be blackout and you can draw the curtain. So there's lots of things to take into consideration. Um, but I, yeah, I always want to add in the, the most amount of detail. So like layering uh, a blind and a curtain and having a trim and having different patterns working together. That's what I would always recommend. But then, you know, I'm, I'm all about more is more and, and layering. Um, rather than kind of stripping back and keeping it contemporary. It's so interesting because how do you choose between blinds and curtains when you're not thinking about functionality? You're just thinking about how, you know, your room looks, for instance, like your your bedroom or your living room. Do you have a, a favourite in terms of aesthetic? Yeah, I think I don't have a favourite. It depends on... The room, it depends on the window. I think if you're trying to frame a view, for example, if you have a really big window and you're looking out across, you know, something stunning, then you obviously don't want to mask that. So maybe blinds are going to be too in the way of the window. Um, so kind of maybe more of a sheer curtain or a thin contemporary curtain that can be um, really pulled back away from the window just to frame the window, then that's a really good option. If it's um, quite a small window, it's not necessarily about the view, um, then maybe a kind of a Roman blind works really well there because you can add some kind of detail and some pattern and some texture um, just to kind of highlight the fact that the window is there, but the window itself isn't really the feature, if that makes sense. So in a bathroom, for example, you're not really there to look out the window, um, but having the light is obviously really helpful, but a Roman blind there works really, really well. So having a think about whether you want to look through the window or kind of at the window itself, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. And you've mentioned Roman blind. I have no idea what any of the names are for any of these <laughs> things. And I'm sure people listening will feel exactly the same. For us novices out there, what is the best way of understanding what shapes and types of blinds and curtains there are out there? Yeah, I mean, that's such a good question. So there are so many different types of blinds and different types of curtains, actually, uh, different headings that you can have on curtains. So if I start with blinds, um, a Roman blind is best described as fabric that kind of folds within itself as you lift it. So when it's up at the top, it's quite straight. There aren't any ruches. It's quite a clean contemporary finish. And as you lower it down, the fabric comes from underneath it to go down the window. Um, so a Roman blind is probably the most popular in terms of having a bespoke blind made. You can't really buy Roman blinds off the shelf, like standard sizes, sorry, because um, windows vary so much. So a Roman blind is kind of the go-to if you're gonna have something made bespoke for your window. If you're picking off the shelf blinds, you tend to have more options for roller blinds. So that's kind of a blind that is on a hard tube, a roll, and then it just kind of rolls down quite seamlessly. Um, those are the most affordable in terms of your blind options. And then you have um, a London blind. So that is a gathered, kind of um, a gathered Roman blind. 
So it's a bit more curved, a bit more ruched. Um, and so you automatically have a bit more of a traditional element because you don't have those clean, crisp, straight lines of a Roman blind. You also have an Austrian blind, which is like super, super floofy. So that's like the other end of if you really, really wanted something traditional, you're imagining kind of swags and tails of curtains, but in a blind. Um, and then, of course, you have plantation shutters, which are wooden, uh, Venetian blinds, which are slatted. And you can always kind of add different elements or take different elements away as well from a blind. So if you wanted to add in a little bit of detail, you can add trims or borders. Um, you could add pom-poms to the bottom of a blind or a fringe to the bottom. Um, so really, it's just about how much detail you want to add in. And I always encourage people if you're having something made bespoke to add the most amount of detail in to really get the most out of your money that you're spending so it looks like it's been made specially for you rather than just bought off the shelf there's no reason to have a blind made in gray you know you could you could buy that online so if you're going to have them made like add in the trim add in a border maybe um and play around with it yeah, I, I mean, I love the idea that you said of those kind of like plantation shutters as well. Because I, in my kind of bathroom, the door looking into the bathroom has got a big window so you can see when someone's sat in the toilet. So we decided <laughs> to get um, in that sort of non-traditional Victorian house style and we got the kind of bamboo okay. um, that, that kind of roll down but they're all kind of like little bamboo so it kind of, yes. you can't see in or see out but you still get that light and that texture and yeah. yeah it's a bit more interesting yeah definitely that I love those blinds because as you said they add texture so it's not fabric but it kind of almost feels like uh, fabric because it's kind of one continuous sheet rather than uh, slatted or or plantation shutters um, and they go well if you're kind of pairing with linens or uh, a bit more cottage core if you have rattan and things like that then that's a really nice texture to add good choice Laura oh thank you so much just my downstairs Lou <laughs> um, what options do people have with curtains when they are trying to make the room sing as it were um we've kind of talked about loads of the different options with blinds but do curtains vary in that way as well yeah absolutely I mean with curtains the first thing to note is that they take up a lot more fabric so unlike with a blind if blinds generally go in quite small windows and then so by default you need less fabric but but you don't need all of the pleats and the um the folds so Already you have a much bigger area to dress if you're going for curtains. And so um, you can play around with different scales of pattern. So um, if you have a really big bay window, for example, you can hold a really big, say, Morris and Co. pattern that might be a metre and a half repeat. So you're seeing that lots and lots of times, especially when the curtains are drawn. Um, you really get the, the full impact of that pattern. Um, of course, patterns always look different when the curtains are closed or the curtains are open. So that's something to bear in mind as well. But in terms of headings, uh, which is the top, kind of pleat or hang of the curtain there are so many different types I think the most popular at the moment are uh, pencil pleats so that is kind of ever so slightly gathered almost how you would traditionally imagine a curtain um, you kind of pull the heading tape at the back, the strings, and then they kind of ruche up ever so slightly. And then they're called pencil pleats because it's kind of the size of a pencil for each um, for each pleat. Um, you can also get pinched pleats, which I think look really nice. They're 
depending on how many pinches, uh, pleats you go for, you can have double or triple. Um, you can make them look a little sleeker or a little bit more full. Um, and that's just kind of a pleat that's sewn, hand sewn at the top ever so slightly to either have two or three, I don't know what to call them, pleats. <laughs> two yeah, or like three a gather. pleats. Like a gather, exactly. If you're buying uh, curtains off the shelf in store, you often see eyelet headings, so kind of the big circle headings that, and the eyelets uh, sit on the pole itself rather than being hung on a track. So those are quite an affordable curtain. They tend not to be what's requested if you're having curtains made again from scratch, um, just because they do have that kind of store-bought look to them. So uh, pinch pleats or something that is more hand-sewn, hand-finished would be what's requested when, you, when you're having a curtain made for you. Um, but there are so many different types of heading. You can have a wave heading, which doesn't have any gather to it, but just kind of has this very soft wave effect. That can look really contemporary and great if you want something a bit more minimal. Um, so if you just want like a very plain curtain or even a sheer, then a wave heading is a really good option for that. But as with blinds, you can go super froofy and really detailed and have lots and lots of um, gather and lots of uh, detail if you want kind of swags and tails and uh, a puffball heading or kind of a goblet heading. They're a lot more traditional and, and a lot more fabric. I mean, there's so many options. And even though, I mean, this is why we get so granular on this podcast, because in every single interior area, there is just so much choice and so many so many decisions to be made when you are kind of maybe designing your curtains and blinds from scratch yourself um getting them made for you how do you go about that design process in terms of getting samples and perhaps looking at the different options for pleats and hanging and making sure that you make that right choice because you know everybody knows that's it's a big investment it is yeah um i think the best place to start is always by considering your budget so if you have a larger budget, then of course you can play around more with your fabrics. Um, you can also, you're going to be able to afford larger quantities of fabric. So that will determine what style of, of curtain, especially, or of pleat you can have. Some pleats take more fabric than others. So um, that's a question that you might want to ask whoever's going to be making the curtains for you you know if you say this is the budget I've got these are the kinds of patterns I like or these are the fabrics I like uh, what style of curtain takes more fabric and what takes less um, so kind of a wave heading where you have the hint of a wave but it's not pleated the fabric isn't folded back on itself at all it takes less than say if you're having a triple pinch pleat for example there's just more fabric there that needs to be um pinched and also matched if you have a pattern that needs to be sewn together you need to pattern match it so sometimes you have a bit of wastage if I'm looking at what kind of design I want for the room I will always start with the budget and then I'll think about the room as a whole so if the room is relatively plain if there if you don't have a patterned wallpaper for example then a curtain is a really lovely place to add in that pattern so if you're someone who usually shies away from pattern you don't have to have the whole curtain patterned you could just have um, a border on each side um, which just hints at a pattern and adds that extra layer of detail you could even have the border at the bottom and play around with different sizes just to add in those kind of bespoke elements to show that these curtains have been made specially for you, that they are tailored to the window. And of course, then you kind of start to play around with colors and, um, and find a combination that works really well. 
I love soft furnishing. So I love, you know, when it gets to a project gets to that stage and you can play around with trims and, and borders and patterns. That's that's where I kind of I just love it. <laughs> yeah. Joe, it's so funny you say that about adding a bit of pattern to make it feel like there's that handmade element because in the kids' bedroom they've got this kind of really light in between like a pistachio and pea linen curtain and I didn't want pattern on the front so I put pattern on the back and it's just a pinstripe and it's just such a little thing but I don't know I just feel like I love the it's like when you get a cushion and you like it's different on it back to the front I just there's something quite special about it 100% 100% I mean I'm always trying to think where can I add the detail in um and that's what I encourage people to think about it and it's kind of the same with upholstery right like adding in a piping is an opportunity to have that as a contrast color or have that as a different fabric so yeah it's the same with curtains try not to think of things as two block it doesn't have to be all one fabric and if you can add a second or even a third in um, then I think that's a really good opportunity um I also really love, and I want to mention pelmets. <laughs> it's a, again, it's a much more traditional look if you have a pelmet, but I think there's something really kind of high end about finishing off a uh, window dressing with a pelmet at the top, and that's just to kind of hide the track. That's like a box over the curtain, like track, as it were. Exactly that. Yeah. So it's a box that goes sits at the top of the window to hide the um, the track, and so often that will hide the the pleat itself. So then you don't need to play around too much with having a a, a really detailed uh, heading for your curtains. But the pelmet can be as plain or as patterned as you like. So you can have so many different shapes and styles. You could have a zigzag one. You could have um, a crossover one. Any kind of shape you want, you could make from a pelmet. And that's, again, a really nice way, if you do decide to have quite a plain curtain, um, to add back in that kind of bespoke element. We talked a bit previously about kind of curtain and blinds together. I've got uh, curtains and a, a bistro kind of blindy kind of thing in one of my rooms, but I wouldn't know where to start with blinds and curtains together. Is there any rules that we should follow? Well, as with everything, there aren't really that many rules because you can do whatever you like. But <laughs> obviously you have to think about the bulk. You don't really want to have a really thick blind uh, and then also a really heavy, thick curtain. It's just, um, it's going to look quite chunky and quite thick and it will block out obviously more light. So if if you're desperate to have a super blacked out bedroom um, then that might be a really good option for you but it's also a more expensive option because the blind will be black out and then the curtain is black out so you've kind of doubled up there but I think a sheer blind or a sheer curtain works really well if you're layering then a more full curtain in front and a Roman blind works quite nicely behind a curtain again if you don't add too much bulk to to both of those elements so you can do something called an interlining with curtains which is where you add a wadding between the the curtain fabric and the the back and that kind of just makes it really full so if you're having both a curtain and a roman blind you might not want to have both interlined for example I mean, this might be a, a like a bit of a wild question for you because you are an upholsterer, but if people were buying from a shop their curtains and blinds, what is the best way to personalize them? What can we add to make them feel more bespoke? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm all for buying some things off the shelf. We can't always afford to have everything bespoke in all of the rooms. So um, there's no shame, absolutely, in buying things off the shelf. And there are some really great companies out there who who make 
ready-made curtains. So anthropology, for example, has a really great range and um, there's lots of curtains there with already with trim on, you can get ones with pom-poms and then always oversize them, I would advise, like buy them wider than you think you need and longer than you think you need so that you can have them more gathered. So to add that kind of luxurious element, you want to think what's the most amount of fabric you can have. And you can always take a curtain up if you need to, but you can't make it longer. And you never want a curtain that doesn't go all the way to the ground. So just think really carefully about um, the dimensions of your window before you start buying pre-made curtains. Don't go for the tightest one. That's It's going to look kind of a little bit, um, I don't know, it won't look very full. So that's my tip. And there are, there are loads of stores. I mean, even... Places like Dunelm, uh, John Lewis, 24-7 blinds is really good um, for ready-made blinds. Um, if you're buying a roller blind, for example, you can always like glue on a trim. So you could glue on some tassels or you could glue on some fringing or some pom-poms or something. Especially works really well for kids' bedrooms. Um, so you can buy a plain colour and then add on this level of detail that's going to make them look a little bit more high-end. I would advise if you can to stick more to a track curtain and that tends to look a little bit more high-end but there are so many great ones online and there are loads of websites where you can put your the dimensions of your window in and have them made and you know you choose your fabric online and that's kind of a midpoint between buying them pre-made and going to a local artisan who will hand sew them for you they're going to still be uh, factory made but you still get to choose your fabric you might get to add a trim and you can put the dimensions of your window in there my final question is, if you are planning, are there any ways that you go about the process with your clients? So is there any kind of useful online tools, for instance, or do you kind of collage? I think I get asked so many times, like, how how do you know it's going to work? So any tools or tips? I think mood boarding really helps. So curtains can come right at the end. So it's not something that you have to plan at the beginning of the room if you're home renovating yourself. Do you suggest that? Do you definitely suggest, so wait until the whole room is done and then do the curtains? Yeah, I think I think that's a good way to go, to be honest. Often it's nice to kind of have, if you if you really want an expensive fabric and you know that when you're doing the room that you're going to want kind of really thick, heavy curtains in a fabric that's 150 pounds a meter then obviously budget for that at the beginning <laughs> yeah ah. but but if you're not that way inclined um then just at the end of your project seeing what budget you have left and how the space feels to you I think it is a good time to think about the curtains at the end once you've got the color on the walls and the flooring and you can really feel the light in the space you'll start to have a better appreciation of whether you want a full curtain or a blind how much light you want to let into the room and how much kind of privacy you want to block out so yeah I would also then think about the height of your curtains so if you have really tall ceilings if you take your curtains all the way to the ceiling it really makes the room feel really tall um for example if you by contrast, want to sit the curtain at the top of the where the window starts, you bring the ceiling down a little bit. So knowing what the room feels like and having that kind of conversation at the end of the project is, is absolutely fine. That is a amazing and incredible amount of knowledge from Michaela. Thank you very much. I hope that was useful because that was very useful for me. Now, if you're looking to go bespoke, as we've said, it can be a really expensive mistake. So to help you approach with caution, I'm chatting to the lovely Gemma, who is an expert in curtain making. She's gonna be telling us what the most important things to think about are when we're having curtains made. 
how to choose your fabric and how to find a reputable curtain maker. What are the most important things to know when having curtains made before you begin the process? So I think the, the best way to think about it, uh, just what to consider rather than what to know. So I think, so for example, if you're thinking about a bedroom, it's really important to think about linings, um, blackout lining, if you want to have a really good night's sleep. Um, and then also thinking about um, how warm a room is, is such an important thing. I think people always forget about whether they've got floorboards or, you know, they don't get a particularly huge amount of light in the room and I think these are the kind of questions it's almost like picking apart the structure of the room and then working out what the room needs from the window dressings and then uh, there's just so many things to consider it's sort of whether you need privacy whether you have like me a huge amount of north facing rooms which are terrible for light awful Therefore, it's kind of then thinking about where you're going to place your curtains and blinds to make sure you maximise the light. Um, but then also in the same aspect that those rooms don't get a huge amount of warmth. So we have to have sort of quite thick blackout interlined blinds in those rooms to keep them warm. There's so much to consider. I think people listening will think, oh my gosh, yes, of course I need to think about all these things, but you don't necessarily have that list when you're coming to putting a curtain up because like everything else, you think, oh, maybe it doesn't require the level of detail, but it absolutely does. I mean, having bespoke curtains made is more expensive. So you do need to make sure there's no mistake what are your kind of tips on making sure that you're certain about everything before you place that order so I think my phrase to to live and die by as a curtain maker is that you have to live with them for an awful lot longer than you're ever going to live without them and from experience the biggest sort of mistake that I come across is people rushing into decisions um I think everyone does it I mean I've done it so many times and all of those very quick decisions that I made moving into a flat and renovating within a year were kind of gone. So I think it's just taking time. There's no shame in putting a sheet up for a couple of months while you really think about it. I had a sheet up for a year, in fact, in our bedroom, yeah. mainly because I just didn't have time to, <laughs> to actually like to make the curtains themselves. But um yeah, I think take your time, really think about it. A good pair of curtains are going to last you sort of 20, 30 years. So the other kind of thing I, I come across quite often is people try to compromise. So they'll be really in love with a fabric or the idea of a style, but they can't perhaps afford it at that time. And I just think it's better to wait. Just think it's so much better to wait and get the thing that you really want because in six months time, all you're going to see is the compromise that you made whereas if you just sort of wait it out a little bit and or try and find a way to incorporate that fabric in just a smaller way you're kind of always just I don't know I just think compromise is not a good not a good idea <laughs> yeah I mean if people are kind of lucky enough to um I mean there's a couple of services isn't there I'm guessing when if you have bespoke curtains made where if it's somebody local they'll will they'll come and measure up but if that's not possible and you have to measure up for your own curtains if you're using like an Etsy or a service online how does one go about doing that where do we measure what do we measure Okay, so I think that's really important and it's such an important key point is um, placement of your curtains and blinds. And I've, I've seen it before because I've 
undone other people's mistakes, costly mistakes. Quite often I see people have had their builders or allowed their builders to put a curtain pole up. And typically a builder will put fit the curtain pole in the easiest place that it's the, the place that's easiest for the builder to fit the curtain pole, um, which traditionally would be into like a wooden frame. But really curtains fitted just at the top of your window frame don't really add much grandeur to the room. They kind of they'll just make it look smaller. And if you want to add height to the room and, and really kind of get the most out of your curtains and the way they look is always best to kind of raise them up above the, the window frame itself if you have space to do so. So as a rule, I normally sort of say, if you measure halfway between your ceiling or your cornicing and your the top of your window, that's a really good place to go. But if you really want to add height, then go right up, go right to the ceiling. And especially with blinds as well, if you fit a blind on the top of your window frame, you're going to have that kind of maybe 30 centimetres where it's going to hang down all the time. And if you don't have a huge amount of light, you're going to lose that light all the time. So if you have space above, just raise up the blind by even 10, 15 centimetres. And it will, A, make your window look bigger and taller and give a little bit of height to the room, but it will also allow more light to come in when they're attracted. And what about how they fall then? Because obviously, I mean, I didn't even think about that measuring between the the top of the window. Um, and it's that sort of thing, isn't it, where someone talks about breastfeeding and you hold your boobs, you're talking about curtains and I've instantly gone to look at my curtains. <laughs> um, so that's kind of the top. But what about the bottom? When I've had curtains made, there's been so many options in terms of, do you want them a little bit above the floor? Do you want them on the floor? Do you want them draping? And you know, and you think, oh, I, I, draping. Don't, I don't know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what, what's the right thing to do? So I would say, again, this is so down to personal choice. And I'd always recommend someone just spends a bit of time looking Instagram, even Pinterest, and and getting an idea of how what look that they like. So if you're going for sort of a sheer curtain that's maybe over a door, so if you've, um, quite a typical one is sort of bifold doors with that kind of sheer curtain covering it, um, you're going to want to access that door quite often. So in which case I would always say maybe come up a little bit, so leave a little bit of space, maybe a centimetre or two between the floor and the curtain itself because a it's going to hang nicer but also it's kind of a high traffic area so if you've got a curtain on the floor constantly it's going to get kind of grubby at the bottom whereas if you're thinking about a living room for me it's always about having just even a centimeter or two touching the floor gives it that real lovely kind of warm that's what I mean by draping. I don't, draping. I don't mean yeah. like having like 10 centimetres where you're like mopping the floor with your curtain. But yeah, sorry, I, I, I'm definitely the wrong use of words by me. But yeah, just having something that has got extra length to it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, I see, again, mistakes I've undone for other people before is just having that a really beautiful pair of bespoke lined interlined curtains that sit sort of two or three centimetres above the floor. So as a rule with measuring... If you have to sort of self-measure, I would get your pole up first because then you, you kind of, you know where it's going to sit, you know where they're going to fall. And I would measure from the bottom of the ring and then I would probably add two centimetres from the floor. And it's also worth thinking about, you know, particular, like hickledy-pickledy houses that where the walls and 
floors and the ceilings aren't level is just measure a couple of times across. So you, because I've seen it, I've seen sort of two, three, four centimetres difference from one side of a window to the other, um, in which case I'd probably find a happy medium and maybe just find the longest drop and add a centimetre because the last thing you want is wonky looking curtains. Mm. Where do you find a good curtain maker? I mean, you know, the difference between finding someone that is kind of bespoke and then an online service, where, where, where do you start looking? So I think a lot of the online services now actually use smaller bespoke makers. So I, I really don't think there's a huge amount wrong with that at all. And also cost-wise, really great. So I was probably, curtain, I've probably done curtain making now for about eight years. Scary. But all of my work, all of my work from be, since before I started Eastern and Cloth came word of mouth. So I think with like anything, it's so worth just asking around asking around locally, seeing other people's curtains and asking who made them. Just recommendations is a great way to find people. And if budget doesn't allow for you to have a bespoke service because it is expensive and, you know, if you're going to have something for 20, 30 years, as we've talked about, that should be an investment. But there are some amazing places on the high street now to get things. Where are your favourite places to kind of get off-the-shelf curtains? I've seen people have amazing curtains. I, in fact, I, I went to a friend's house a while ago and I was like, God, these curtains are really nice. Where are they from? She said, they're just H&M. So I think the really important thing going back to sort of hanging is you can get off, you know, like H&M, Zara sort of like linen curtains now. But if you hang them in the right place, and dress them in the right way they're gonna look equally as lovely and you're completely right it's a really expensive thing I I mean I probably wouldn't be able to afford to have a house full of curtains and blinds bespoke if I wasn't a maker myself so it's 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 a really big investment and I think it's worth thinking about how much fabric that you're going to have to pay for as well so a sort of a typical pair of curtains smallish pair of curtains you're probably looking at like 16 to 18 meters of fabric so it can be incredibly expensive yeah I mean I have recently fallen in love with the, you know the French shop caravan they had got these kind of like fold over curtains at the top with a, this black trim and it was amazing how you can now get these really amazing intricate interesting designs off the peg so yeah if anyone's listening I, 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 I've recently just found out about caravans curtains and I am obsessed and I actually think a really great tip because I was talking to a friend who was just looking for some like temporary curtains is sort of looking on looking at um secondhand eBay you know anywhere like that I've got a pair on my watch list at the moment an old pair of Colfax and Fowler curtains that are bespoke made but it's so easy if you just find roughly the right size. It's always, you know, you have to play around a little bit. They might be longer than you want. But it's such a great place to find a, an old pair of really, really well-made curtains that are going to give you everything you need and you want from bespoke curtains. But like a fifth of the price, maybe. So I think that's a really great place to start looking, actually, if you if you can. That is a brilliant idea, thinking about vintage curtains. That is absolutely genius and I suppose like you say it's about styling them up so 
I'm really interested, I'm sure that people listening will be too, about the different ways that you can style and do curtaining. So you talked previously about if you have got a glass window using a sheer curtain or interlining or line curtains, or, you know, there's a huge trend at the moment with the half bistro kind of cafe curtains. Can you talk us through some of the options that are available and where and when to use them? Yeah, of course. So um, I think it's really important when you're planning a renovation is to bear in mind to keep some money in the budget at the end, because that's something I, another kind of thing that I come across quite often is people have spent all their money on like beautiful bespoke joinery and kitchens and and plumbing and fixing roofs. And then <laughs> they've come to the end and they've got no money left and but they really want bespoke curtains and they're like I've got 50 quid what can you make me so yeah I think it's really important to think about that from the start but uh, probably a good way to think about it is you're not going to get bespoke curtains in every single room in your house so it's thinking about where's the most important places and then working backwards from there um but yeah as far as curtain styles are concerned you can really work back in layers so um for like your top ultra thick full curtains with um, what we call like a bespoke um, pinch pleat finish, which means that the curtains themselves are are pleated to the size of the pole. And they would typically be three layers. You would have a face fabric and interlining, which is what gives you the warmth of your curtains and they provide the warmth for the room. And then the lining, which can either be like a really simple lining or if you need blackout, then go for a blackout lining. Or um, I guess a lot of people now are using um, like a ticking, which is, I think is so lovely because you can see it from outside and you can kind of tone that in with your face fabric. Um, and then work backwards from there. So you can go, you can take out the interlining and just have a lined pair. You can change the head from a bespoke pinch pleat to a pencil pleat, which are, I, in my opinion, really underrated. And I think the great thing about them is um, normally you use like a little tape that you put on at the top and you pull the tape and the strings kind of give you this kind of pleated look. But if you're ever thinking about moving, you can take them with you and unknot them at the end and either loosen them off to give you a wider curtain or pull them tighter and give you an narrower curtain so they can kind of move with you I think that's a really great thing um, and maybe also something really important to look for if you're buying secondhand curtains because they can then be adjusted and then a sheer curtain which again can work with all different types of headings pencil pleat pinch pleat which again is just going to give you sort of coverage um, but in a kitchen, maybe that's probably the perfect place to have that or a spare room. I suppose if you've got a kitchen with all glass sliding doors, having that sheer curtain, you still have got the light for the space, but then the privacy. Yes, absolutely. So it gives you that kind of veil of privacy. I mean, everyone loves to draw the curtains at night. It's a really lovely thing to do to kind of hide from the world. So just having that just sort of gentle veil, but still you can have those clothes in the day and still get the light through is a really great option to have. Um, and it also adds a little bit of like warmth. There's something about adding fabric to a room, especially a kitchen, that just kind of gives it a little something. And we have to talk about the trend that is the whole bistro half curtain situation, because I feel like it's always kind of been popular, but since the old days of the Instagram, 
it's definitely blown up. I have them in the, in my bathroom because curtains wouldn't work in there and we wanted some privacy. So we wanted to kind of privatise the, the bottom of the windows. But where and when do you think that they are a good idea? And I'm sure people will want to know where the best places they can source fabric. And a lot of people always ask me, where do you get the curtain poles from? Sorry, Gemma, that's three questions in one. But yeah. So, um for, for kind of accidentally, I think that's become kind of our biggest selling product is is the cafe curtains. Purely because in lockdown, I was working out of my kitchen and it was the only thing that I could make and put away in a day and then kind of make dinner for the kids afterwards. Whereas making a huge bespoke curtain was, you know, it needs to be out for like two, three days. You've got a big old board covering all the works and stuff so I sort of specifically started making them for for kind of those reasons and it kind of just kind of went from there but I think the reason they are so lovely is partly because of the style I feel like they're quite soft and floaty and pretty but they also kind of disappear into the background they can kind of just sit nicely in the background and they'll kind of blend with changes in decoration and changes in curtains and I think they're great because obviously typically in London and in fact the whole trend for them started way, way, way back in London. Um, I think they were called snooping curtains to stop people snooping in the windows. It's just when they started building houses in closer proximity, people just didn't want their neighbours across the road being able to look in. And I think they're great because using quite that fine linen-y veil again it gives you the light in the day it gives you the privacy and it means that you don't have to have um, anything over the top half of the curtain so again that increases light which is so often like a problem in in London houses I think they're kind of predescending the shutter trend and I find shutters lovely as they are they're quite um definite so you've either got a lot of light or, or no light whereas just that sort of gentle veil gives you the best of both worlds mm. and where do you think the best places are then to um source the fabric for a cafe curtain and where do you get the poles from right so the poles uh, we sell the poles in fact and this again came from necessity because everyone's going we really want cafe curtains but we have no idea how to do poles where are the poles from where do you get poles from so we spent a ridiculous amount of time mostly my husband spent a ridiculous amount of time trying to find brackets and poles that fitted together which you think would be such an easy thing to find but is just not if you're thinking about the fabric for your cafe curtain is it taking into consideration everything that you said previously about the curtains in terms of how much light what you're using the space for do those still those are the defining absolutely, things absolutely definitely i think um i mean our biggest sellers are kind of just off white i think white is a really important thing to avoid brilliant white fabric it just doesn't blend very well with anything it looks quite stark so all of our sheer fabrics sheer linens are just off-white um, and then we kind of we've also built in a range of kind of warmer colors warmer tonal colors to to work with different sort of schemes but yeah I mean I really love the idea of making your own I really love the idea of buying like old lace or inheriting old lace and and making your own and and I think they don't have to be too I think people overthink them a lot 
And I think they don't need to be anything too, they don't need to be too neat and tidy and perfect. They can, they can have a little bit of character and, but yeah, we, we sell the fabrics and the sheer linens and really we've kind of built them more as a product than a bespoke um, option. And, and that's because we, we spent a really long time finding what we feel are like the best linens for the, the product itself. So sort of a made to measure service you will but um yeah there's no rules yeah I wanted to ask you about best fittings for curtains so bay windows curtain poles tracking because I think that depending on where you are putting the curtains it kind of the options are quite overwhelming where do we start so I personally love nothing better than like a really simple sort of iron pole Jim Lawrence do really beautiful, lovely, made in Suffolk versions. There's a company called Cameron Fuller, who I work with a lot. I love, I love them. They're really quite affordable. They are trade only, but you can buy them from third party companies online. Um, and I just think, again, they're just really, yeah, really lovely. As far as bay windows are concerned, it can be a tricky one to find the right fittings. So it's kind of to do with the structure of bay windows. So a lot of bay windows that we've come across are essentially like a shed on the front of a house. And and they have this kind of lath and plaster covering. But what that means is there's no real structure to fit a pole into that's going to hold a pair of heavyweight curtains. Um, so in those instances, it's worth exploring whether you have a ceiling that's strong enough. And then I love those tracks, those are kind of invisible tracks. Um, and I, I guess they're quite affordable as well. Um, you can have ceiling hung poles. Um, and then also you can, um, if all of else fails, you can kind of fit into your wooden window frame. But yeah, they're definitely questions to ask and think about so perhaps with a bay window my best advice would be to have the pole fitted first and then measure and and then kind of get your curtains made after that yeah and I'm guessing if it's a trickier space maybe trying to find somebody local who could maybe come to your house and have a look rather than guessing online would be my absolutely so our like for example we use sort of a third party fitter um who's amazing he works all over London and he will do a measuring appointment and I think it's like 75 quid or something but it's it's really worth doing it's just it's almost like an investment in the future of your curtains and how you know that making sure that everything fits well that you're fitting them in the correct place and also getting your measurements right so yeah it's definitely worth contacting either I mean a lot of curtain making companies will do a measure for you as well so but measuring is yeah it's really key really key okay measuring appointments sound like the way to go to really eliminate any worry about going bespoke Thank you to Wix for sponsoring So How Do You. Don't forget, small changes make a big difference. So visit wix.co.uk for all your refurb needs. Thank you so much for listening as ever. Next week's episode is a really good one and I'm very excited for you all to listen. It's minimalism versus maximalism. If you don't know how to do maximalism without feeling like you're living in a mess or minimalism without feeling like you're living in a gallery, then this one is for you. And I've got some fabulous interior designers to help out. 
For more interiors inspo, make sure you do check out our Instagram page, which is at So How Do You Podcast, and all of our other episodes are online, as well as season one, if you want to catch up. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Laura Jackson, and that's how you do curtains and blinds. <laughs>